Huron City Radio. Huron City Radio. Huron. You've been listening to. Huron City Radio. Huron City Radio. You've been listening to. Huron City Radio's Midnight Hour. Greetings, landlubbers, and welcome back to the Midnight Hour here on Huron City Radio, broadcasting from the middle of the largest body of freshwater anywhere on the planet, and probably any other planet as well, for that matter. Well, tonight is the ooh, Halloween special. That's right, the time of witches, goblins, vampires, werewolves, Jehovah's Witnesses. So try to keep your wits about you in case we try to scare them out of you, right? But while we have fun with the fear, frights, and frolics, let's make sure we don't forget the true meaning of Halloween and think about, uh, think about, uh, you know, uh, whatever, uh, you know, so uh, <clears throat> uh, let's just try to keep that in mind this time of year. <clears throat> and now a word from tonight's sponsor. All the feckin' way from the Emerald feckin' oil to the Greywater area, Feckin' Father O'Donnell is shoved to announce the opening of a brand new branch of our unique fast food restaurant, Feckin' O'Donnell's. Our spudtastic menu features a half a pound of mashed potatoes burger, a feckin' lucky potato nuggets, a juicy potato filet of potato, or our healthy feckin' raw potato salad. All served with a bucket of french fried potatoes washed down with a Guinness or Bailey's steamed milkshake. Bring the whole feckin' family. Free copy of Finnegan's feckin' wake with every feckin' kid's meal. To be sure, to be sure. Choose O'Donnell's. Mm, hooray. Oh, finally a decent sponsor. And they sent some menu samples in a pair of traditional Irish brogues. Why, this quarter pound of mashed potato wedged between two thick slices of potato is it's really filling. A little cold, but... Oh, here's a nice touch. The uh, pickles are cut into a four-leaf clover. Shamrock. Oh, that actually is a bit of clover. <coughs> oh, that's better. Uh, anyway, welcome to the... Halloween special. We won't trick you with our treats we have lined up. <laughs> hey, look, I don't write all these, you know. <clears throat> but we will have our annual trick-or-treat phone-in plus Tom's Ghost Story Challenge all coming up on this special show along with the regulars of Tom's Top Tips, the Underwater Weather Report, the competition winner from last week, Tom's Poetry Pocket, plus the weekly drama with Witch in the Woods. But for now, if you'd like to be part of the trick-or-treat phone-in, all you have to do is... All right, here, if you're a kid, you need an adult's permission, okay? and an adult to be with you. And, and if you're an adult, you need that child you've coerced into being on the Midnight Hour to be beside you when you call. So all you have to do is call me, Tom Babajowski, here on the Midnight Hour, and I will have three guesses at what Halloween costume your child is dressed up in. If I guess correctly, then you go away empty-handed and somebody comes around and leaves a flaming bag of dog poo on your doorstep, courtesy of Huron City Radio. But if I don't guess, I, someone, We'll have to send you some of this candy. Mm -hmm. 
Mmm, 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 really crummy. Helps get rid of the clover taste, too. So, call in, same number as always, 666-3117-237-13. Now, what you call my producer on the mainland, uh, Gina, is it? We got that right? Gina left. Really? She said that about me? Jeez, young people. So, who are... Oh, an agency. Maybe more than one? Well, who the hell are you? Well, listeners, call in and speak to Carl, probably, and he'll get you lined up to play Tom's Trick or Treat here on the Midnight Hour Halloween Special. But next, first up, as usual, we have some music for you, and tonight we're lucky to have something in keeping with the mood of the show. And here are the Bram Strokers with a song to get you in the mood with Halloween Town. Look, there's a wolf man. Is he a wolf? Or is he a man? Yes, he's a wolf man. He'll eat your kids if he can. In Halloween Town, we're gonna scream now. In Halloween Town, in Halloween Town. Look, there's a vampire. She'll suck the blood right out of your neck. Cause she's a vampire. She's on fire, cause here comes the sun In Halloween Town We're gonna scream now In Halloween Town In Halloween Town Ghosts and phantoms, ghouls and goblins Banshees, witches, headless horsemen Give me Trying to frighten, scare me I'm undead, so you should fear me now Now who is this guy? Looks like a Frankenstein Two different colored eyes Oh, now you're gonna die You're a Frankenstein In Halloween Town Well, yes, probably the most literal Halloween song ever written. Anyway, they're, they're going to sing you another song later on. Boy, maybe we'll find out where they get their inspiration from. <laughs> Sounds like they get it from a used handkerchief. In uh, tonight's exclusive interview with the Bram Strokers, coming up much, much later. And what the hell is a Bram Stroker, anyway? What's that, Carl? It's a writer. Play on words? What is he wrote Dracula. Who did? What? Somebody actually wrote Dracula? Hey, Carl, just get on with it. <clears throat> anyway, now it's time to play Tom's Trick or Treat. So let's see who Carl's managed to find. Who do we have with their insomniac child tonight? Oh, 
I should have said no cheating. You have to be honest, all right? If I guess the Halloween costume correctly, you got to be honest. No bullshitting me, okay? That wouldn't be fair. So who do we have first up on spooky line number, uh, line number, oh, line number one. Hi, it's Eddie with little Samantha here. Oh, hi, Eddie. Hi, Samantha. Say hello to Tom. Hi, hi, Tom. Hello. So, are you all excited for Halloween? I love Halloween. I love dressing up, and I love putting my doggy in costumes. He's a hot dog this year with ketchup. And I'm dressing my kitty up. She's a lobster with claws. And we dress all the goats up, too. They're dressed as Emerson, Lake and Palmer, and Daddy likes to dress up as well. He's wearing this pretty yellow... Okay, okay, yes. Well, uh, let's start me guessing on what your Halloween costume is, Samantha, shall we? Huh? That's what this is now. It's Tom's Trick or Treat here on the Midnight Hour. Fire away, Tom. We're ready for you. Okay, so, uh, let me see. Are you, uh, are you a vampire? <laughs> no, a vampire. I'm not a vampire. <laughs> oh, one guess down. Well, I still have two more. Are you, uh, a werewolf? <gasps> no, silly. I'm not a werewolf. Yuck. Who wants to be a werewolf? All right, all right. Being a werewolf is a good thing to be at Halloween. It has to be in the top three things to dress up as, if you know Halloween properly like I do. <laughs> well, last guess, Tom. I know. <clears throat> not a vampire, not a werewolf, then you must, uh, you must be a scary Egyptian mummy. <laughs> no, no, no. no. Well, if you're not a vampire, a werewolf, or a mummy, then what the hell are you? I'm dressed up as a firefighter! A what? A firefighter! A vampire firefighter? No. Are you a werewolf firefighter? What's he talking about, Daddy? Uh, let's see, an Egyptian mummy firefighter? Look, Tom, she's she's just a firefighter. You, you know, someone who puts out fire. That's not very Halloween-y, is it? A firefighter? How was I supposed to guess that? Oh, come on, Tom. It's just a bit of Halloween fun. Uh, nobody dresses as a firefighter for Halloween. Well, I did. My God, what kind of parent are you? Look, Baba Chopsky, just let us know how we can get the candy, okay? I'm not sure you should have any. Oh, what? <gasps> we called it... No! Just, look, speak to Carl. He'll sort it out. Goodbye. Firefighter, huh? You don't dress your kid as a firefighter for Halloween. God, what is the world coming to? All right, let's hope we have someone with a proper costume this time. All right, who do we have online? Uh, let's see, line number line number one. Hello, you're through to the midnight hour Halloween special. Hello, this is Ingrid. Mm -hmm, hello, Ingrid. Now, uh, who do you have with you? Who's been allowed to stay up way beyond their bedtime? Bedtime is a social construct aimed at preparing children for a lifetime of working to the parameters of the military-industrial complex. Uh, what? Bathsheba chooses her own bedtimes. Bath... what? Who time? Bathsheba, say hello. Hello, Thomas. Bathsheba? What the... Uh, hello, uh, just call me Tom. As you wish. Hello, Tom. And hello to you, uh, Bathsheba. Uh, right. Uh, anyway, I'm guessing that guessing your costume isn't going to be easy. It all depends on what you call easy. So, uh, no vampires for you, I guess. No, not a vampire. Two guesses left. No, that wasn't a real guess. 
But she said, I guess. It was a rhetorical non-guess. Hey, my show, my rules. I did tell you this would happen with Shiva. Hey, I'm concentrating. You're, um, you're dressed as a zombie. That is incorrect, Tom. Funk it. And I have two guesses left, right? As you wish. Okay, so not a zombie. The kid's name is Bathsheba. A witch. You're dressed as a witch. Of course not. How obvious and predictable. Okay, okay. Must be, uh... Oh, it must be the Headless Horseman. (laughs) (laughs) What a silly man, Mother. I did warn you. Well, what the clams clackers are you then, huh? You want to tell him, Bathsheba? I am dressed up as Sir Alexander Fleming, the man who discovered penicillin. What? Who? I mean, wait, come on! That's ridiculous! She even has his gray hair and bow tie. No, that's even worse than the last one. Have we won some candy, Mother? Make sure you don't send us anything with gelatin in it or any of that gluten stuff I can't... Oh, man, this is going about as well as... Okay, so, uh, Carl, who do we have coming up? Coming up on line, uh... Ah, yes, of course. Line one. Hi! Great beyond, Tom. This is Laura. I'm here with my little treasure, Darren. Now, Darren, say hello to Mr. Babajowski. No! Come on, precious. You said you would be polite. No! Hello, Mr. Butt Biscuits. What? Your butt on skis? He said hello, Mr. Babajowski. No, he didn't. Ah, yes, he did. My son is very polite, aren't you, Darren? Where's the candy? I want candy. Polite, is he? He's nervous. This is his first time on the radio. I'm sure it'll be his first of many times on radio and TV. He's such a little star. Where's my candy? Oh, dear God. Let's just get this over with. Okay, so, uh, Darren, from the sounds of it, your costume is one of a spooky ghost. Oh, that's a good guess. <laughs> that's wrong. You're wrong. You're wrong. It's not a ghost, you, you fart squeezer. Darren. Where's my candy? What did he just call me? Um, art pleaser. He said you were an art pleaser. What? That, that doesn't even make any sense. It's time for another guess, Mr. Babajowski. All right, your weird kid is dressed up as Frankenstein's monster. No, 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 you're wrong. <laughs> you're a Muppet lover. You love Muppets. <laughs> All right, hey, that's enough. You control your son Isn't now. Isn't he creative? <laughs> Where's my candy? Okay. Last guess. You're dressed... I want my candy! A freak. You're dressed up as a little freak. No! I want candy, Mommy. I want candy from the man in the metal box. Well done, Darren. And now nice Mr. Babajowski's going to send you some candy. You know what? I don't even care. Just leave your address with Carl, and you can feed him candy till his guts explode. You don't want to know what he's dressed as? No, no, I wouldn't want to know. Tell him, Darren. The Boston Strangler! I'm dressed as the Boston Strangler! I'm gonna strangle Boston! <laughs> hey, come here! Come here, my Christ little on beauty. a bike, what? Last year, he was Jack the Ripper! Ugh, it wasn't like this last time. It was really nice last year. 
Kids dressed up as werewolves, vampires, proper Halloween stuff. Not all this shit the kids had on tonight. It was fun, wasn't it, Eric? Eric? Oh, Eric, you're not here, are you? Oh, that's right. I have Carl to put up. What's that? Brenda. Shift change at the agency? So what, Carl's gone now? Sweet Fanny Adams. Ah. Oh. Eric. I miss you. All right, so what the fuck's next? Oh, that's right. Now it's time for... Tom's Ghost Story Challenge, where you try and scare the bejesus out of me for the chance to win some... Mm, some candy of your own. You know what? I've seen the world. I've been around the block. Seen some strange and unexplainable things, so... Gonna be awfully difficult to get my sphincter to loosen even a little bit. Alright. Who's the first storyteller trying to cause my lips to tremble and my teeth to chatter here on line, uh. Oh, line one. Hello, you're through to Huron City Radio. Good evening, Tom. Uh, good evening to you, sir. What's your name and what tale of ghoulish ghastliness have you got for us all tonight? Yeah, my name's Mikey, and I'd like to tell you the tale of something that happened to me, Tom. Happened? To you? Yes, that's correct. To me. Okay, well, let's hear it then. It happened near the lake. What, this lake? Yes, Lake Huron. Uh, okay, go on. One day, my friend Nate and I had arranged to go fishing. He said he found a cool place along the shore with a access to a good fishing spot, somewhere where no one usually goes. Come on, Mikey, this is supposed to be a ghost story, not the fishing tip section of the show. Anyway... Anyway, yes? Yeah, I got to this spot, he told me. A little narrow path from some trees, and there was this little house like a farm cottage, not too far from the lake. I couldn't remember him saying anything about a house. This is going somewhere, right? And as I walked past, a window was open, and I could smell that something was baking inside. And then an old woman's face appeared in the window, and it gave me a jump a bit. An old woman baking is not the scariest thing I've heard, to be honest, Mikey. And she said to me, would you like a cookie? There's cinnamon and lavender. And not wanting to be impolite, I took one. I put it in my pocket for later. Or maybe not, because it did sound like an odd flavor. That it? When I got to Nate, I asked him if he'd seen an old woman in her house, and that I didn't remember him talking about there being a house over that way, and he looked at me as if I was talking out of my ass. Yeah, I'm kind of getting the same vibe here, Mikey, to be honest. And he said, you mean that old ruin of a cottage with just two walls standing? Show me. So we walked back, and there, sure enough, in the place where I'd seen a house and an old woman who'd given me a cookie, there was this crappy old shed of a building. No doors, just two walls, overgrown with grass and shrub. So, uh, you'd come by a different house? No, Tom. It was in exactly the same place as I'd seen the old woman's house. Uh, so it had fallen down really quickly? No, Tom. The house that I saw there was no longer there. Sure as I'm talking to you. Really? And when I reached into my pocket to show him the cookie she'd given me, I pulled out nothing but a handful of gray dust. Gray dust? Like, uh, cinnamon and lavender dust? No, Tom. Fine gray dust. Like ground bones. So, uh, how did the fishing go that day? We didn't go fishing. We ran home, told our parents, and they told us that they knew of an old woman who lived in the woods by the lake, but she had died 30 years ago. <clears throat> well, uh, thank you, Mikey. She'd been murdered. Murdered because she I had said thank you, Mikey! 
Not a good start. A story about fishing, baking, and memory loss. Let's hope we have something more apt for the Halloween special next with our next caller coming up on line, uh, uh, line number one. Hello, Mr. Bobajovsky. My name is Lily. Oh, hello, Lily. Uh, you have a good story for me? I have a tale from the bottom of the lake. Okay, but is it is it a scary story? I mean, it can be from the lake, I suppose. But it does have to be scary. You can make up your own mind about that. Okay. You see, there once was a young girl who dreamed of becoming a mermaid. Ah, don't we all? She found a necklace on the beach one day and convinced that it belonged to a mermaid. She wore it always. That's a bit uh, tenuous. For she hoped that one would appear in the lake and come and speak to her. Was she? Each morning and evening she walked the shore, praying for a sign that something was out there, something that would bring magic to her life. What do you mean, like a, like a card trick, something like that? Her friends and family thought her crazy and foolish, but she always felt that one day a mermaid would come and she never took that necklace off. And it was on one All Hallows' Eve, a night... As black as coal, when walking alone, that she spied something moving. Something making gentle ripples on the lake. Well, what was it? Uh, a walleye or something? She could not believe her eyes. Could this be true? Could this be the thing she had always dreamed of that was now swimming her way? As it moved closer, her heart pounded with expectation. Oh, come on, don't stop. She ran into the cold water, not caring that it reached above her waist and made her unsteady. And there it was, the flash of scales, a thick, powerful tail propelling the creature her way. It rose out of the water and dove down, emerging close enough to touch. She could not tell if it were male or female, but the eyes shone such a blue she had never seen. So bright, like the light of the sky had been sucked within and now looked out at her. So, so not a walleye The person smiled, and the girl's heart melted like snow in the hot sun, and she wanted more than anything to give herself over to the mysterious beauty. She reached out and felt the fingertips of the creature, wet and ripe with energy and she let herself be held firm and arms so strong uh, okay she felt its grip tighten as she was taken inwards deeper into the lake until her feet could no longer touch the bottom the water rose above her neck she called for help but the merperson held firm their smile now gone Blue eyes replaced with dark pits. Oh, dear Lord. As they swam deeper still, breath began to leave her body, and panic seized her soul. She wrenched her necklace asunder and, freeing both her arms, did wrap it fast around the neck of her captor. Her swift actions took the merperson by surprise, and she held on tight with all her strength Anger replaced her fear and she pulled tighter on the cord with all her power until the darkness in those mer-creature's eyes faded and its lifeless body drifted downward to the bottom of the lake. Uh, that it? Really? 
Where's the ghost? It's supposed to be a ghost story challenge. I mean, I, mean, I thought there might be the ghost of the girl if she died, but she didn't. And uh, By the way, what did happen to her? The girl stopped looking for things that were not real. Things that were nothing but illusions to try and trap her, and she was fine. She gave up on what could never be, and found happiness in things that were always waiting for her to discover on the safe, dry land. So, no ghost. Brilliant. Oh, yes. There is a ghost. The vengeful ghost of the merperson who every Halloween comes looking for the prey they lost, looking for someone fresh to take down to the bottom of the lake. What the? Good night, Tom. Take care. Hey, now, hang on. Uh, I, I better, I, I better go see what that is. Uh, what's that, Brenda? Really? Another caller? Okay, put him through. Hello, hello, you're through to the midnight hour. What's your story? Hi, Tom. Good to be back on the midnight hour. This is Professor Seth Phillips. Professor Syphilis? Uh, no, pr Professor Phillips. Seth Phillips, a lecturer in Anomalous Phenomena at the New Huron Community College for the Truly Gifted. Oh, I, I thought I recognized your voice. You've been on before. Yes, I, I have been on before. That is correct. Well, you teach bullshit at the taxpayer's expense, if I remember correctly. Uh, well, I'm, I'm calling in with a ghost story. Would you like to hear it? Well, as I'm effectively paying your wages, yeah, yes, I would. Fire away, Professor. It is a rather spooky nautical tale. I live out here. Uh, I'm unshakable. It is a tale of the mad captain, James McMillan. You ever heard of James McMillan, Tom? No, some, uh, some dead guy? Well, he did live long ago, and as for if he's dead or not, well, just listen. I am listening, jeez. There was once a small schooner commissioned by the leader of the cult of St. Wendell of Huron County, named the Sea Shadow. It was as black as night, designed to slip into Canadian waters undetected to waylay cargo ships. I see. These ships could never see it coming. James McMillan, the captain, would paint himself in pitch as camouflage, and he would stalk the deck, a shadow of a shadow. He was ruthless and left a swath of dead bodies and penniless sailors in his wake. A man with a black soul on a black ship. Okay, this is more like it. One day he came across a little gray boat all alone in the middle of the lake. A, a little gray boat, you say? He bared down on the boat under full sail, gliding as silent as the death he brought with him. He covered himself in black pitch once more, left his crew on the sea shadow, and boarded the little gray boat all alone, believing that his fearsome appearance would be enough to frighten the crew into compliance. He was right. The boat only had a crew of five men, with ten passengers in the hold. The men threw down their swords, believing that this shadow was a demon come to bring a reckoning for sins they had committed. Cowards! Captain McMillan demanded that everyone aboard strip themselves of their valuables and line up on the edge of the deck. Everyone complied, except for one old woman. She clung to her small gold chain necklace and stood firm in the center of the ship, defying this shadowy demon that had disrupted her voyage. Uh, good for her. Captain McMillan drew his sword and put it to the old lady's neck and said, You can live as a woman without finery, or you can die to feed fish evermore. 
Unfazed by the sharp steel against her throat, she stared into his eyes and said, And you can live as a man without mercy, or die to be a shadow evermore. Ooh, get you, Grandma. There was something in the woman's eye, something in the way that she addressed him so casually that gave him pause. He had seen hardened soldiers weep under his gaze, yet this woman, this woman, frightened him. He went back to the sea shadow without a word of explanation to the crew and locked himself in his quarters. Ha! <laughs> Serves him right. For three days, the sea shadow was as silent as the grave. On the fourth day, the door opened to the captain's quarters and out stepped Macmillan. Unable to wash off the pitch, he had taken a razor blade and peeled the pitch and most of his skin off of his flesh. Ew! He stumbled out of his cabin, a bloody mess. Razor still in his hand, pure terror in his eyes. He just kept repeating, I'm just a shadow, just a shadow, just a shadow, just a shadow, just a shadow. Well, fancy that. He felt dead on the deck of his ship, surrounded by men who had never seen him show fear. They buried the captain at sea, and decommissioned the sea shadow. The crew said their captain had been cursed, and he would spend his eternity searching for that gray ship, craving vengeance, caught between terror and rage. To this day, there are reports of people on travel lakes being woken up in the middle of the night by the incessant recitation, barely audible over the ship's engines. Just a shadow. Just a shadow. Just a shadow. No shit. Well, there you go, Tom. Is that uh, good enough for your ghost story challenge? Uh, hello? Uh, Professor Phillips, are, are you there? Hello? Brenda, Brenda, what's happened? Brenda? Brenda? Oh. Well, that was the end of the ghost story challenge. Thank fuck. So now it's time, quickly, to move on to Tom's top tips. Tom's top tips. What the, the freaking freak is, is going on? Uh, Brenda? Uh, sorry, listeners. Did you hear that? Uh, quickly, I gotta go see what it is. Or, or, or do I? It's probably nothing. Uh, anyway, here, here's this week's drama, Witch in the Woods. Brenda, are you there? Carl, anybody? Upon this boat, I sit and watch. While on the shore, they walk away. And why I'm tied to this mast is the subject of this play. So wait a while if you have time, and all will be explained. Witch in the Woods by Daniel Williams Here I lived within the woods, away from the brutish city, where progress and the deeds of man had made it all quite shitty. I made from herb and flower, my medicines and balm, to heal the body and the mind, to fill the world with calm. For those who wanted more from life than whiskey or cold surgeon's knife. Thank you, dear Grace. 
I trust this will help. A scab will form, so try not to itch. I'll do my best. Thank you, young witch. And t'was such a day of seeing folk that a horse did ride so clear. Upon its back a woman fair I had not spied for near a year. As they dismounted, pulled back their hood, a face like mine before me stood, but one that was absent of smile. My young sister Emma, why it's been such a while. What brings you out to my woodland house? Oh, are you sick? Are you ailing? Are you festered with louse? Do tell, sister, tell, for I'll make you well. Good afternoon, Grace. I carry no ills. I do not want of your particular skills. I have come to warn you that riding this way are two young men full of dismay. Clarence, a servant with face not so fair, and the privileged son of the arrogant mayor. Are you so sure? How can you know of such plans that they have? Oh, I have the ear of the ladies of leisure, and they have relayed all the details with pleasure. William is ill, and the doctors from town have failed in their task, and his pain keeps him down. But how is this message not of appealing? Have you no faith in my talents of healing? I know of your art, and believe in you truly, but you are shunned by the city unruly. A city alive with industry's graft, with science and learning, and no belief in your craft. It is power of wealth that make all decision, and your name just mentioned in fear and derision. I know that distrust and suspicion and fear. They called me the witch, and they banished me here. And the mayor was the one who sought your banishment. Yet now he is sending his son for assistance. Oh, don't be so foolish. The mayor has no knowledge that his son has journeyed and come to this forest. If you help his son and he does this discover, I fear he will cast you away even farther. Don't worry, dear Emma. There is no dilemma. I shall keep them well far from my door. But I know you, Grace, and the weakness you face, and this William you've not seen before. He has just turned twenty with muscle aplenty, and eyes that shine like the sun. Oh, fear not, sister dear. I care not if he's fair. I will dismiss him as soon as he comes. I have seen you from youth be swayed by a swagger, or seduced by a smile in a man's hidden dagger. And although you now linger alone in this glade, I fear from all the decisions you've made. I have no wish to entangle myself with affairs of the town or to be led far astray. So cease your worry, they'll be sent off in a hurry as soon as they come. Shh, they're heading this way. I shall hide from their sight. I have no wish to see his servant buffoon or for them to know I have come here so soon. But before I could ask or protest any more, my sister did leave by my little back door, replaced by a ferret-faced man with fine cloth with a sword, disdain in his eyes as he pompously roared. What is this odor that greets my entrance? The scent of healing, or maybe my patient. But this is no way to enter my dwelling. You enter unwelcome, and it's you that is smelling. Cease your blathering and listen well, wench. My name is Clarence, and it is with you the stench. I serve Master William, the son of godly Mayor Franklin, and therefore authority of this ungodly place. You have no authority here, little man. Now leave in peace before I place. A hex upon my limbs? A curse upon my brow. It seems I was beaten to that task before now. I said, listen well, if you know what is best. 
This is not my choice, but my master cannot rest. He is sickening each hour, and no doctor has he seen that helps his fever or his power. But those of the town do trust me neither. I shall not help nor look at him either. I knew of your manner and have come prepared. With this, you can buy many wares for this hovel, this shack in the woods that should be torn down. Ha! I have no need for the goods this will buy. I have no need for the gray of the town. Then maybe this will persuade you instead. And as of men with power and steel, he threatened to force his will as he chose. And as I stood to counter his anger, a voice came, as sweet as a rose. <coughs> Clarence, is she there, the one with the potions? And in strode a man, coughing and wheezing, tall and blue-eyed and shoulders so broad. He looked in such pain but chose to ignore it, and looked at me keenly, and my heart simply soared. Fair witch of the woods, I have heard of your magic, and this <clears throat> needs to go, for it hampers my style. His face it was sweating, his fingers a-tremble. This man was much sicker than I'd seen for a while. How long have you been with such hacking and whooping? Why, only three months, but I'm sure it is nothing. And with that, he fell down. No, I'm, I'm fine. Yes, I'm fine. And up from the floor, his gaze met upon mine. Oh, let me hold your aching head and soothe your brow with my fair hand. You have the curves to ease my mind. I feel thy soul spread through your fingers. My fever falls at your soft touch. You are not well. That's why we've come. I have some thoughts to heal this pain. Then best you start, for we cannot stay. Be quiet, my aid, and shut thy mouth. <clears throat> Let her take the time she needs. I did agree to bring you here, but you were to stay upon the horse. Now listen well, my loyal servant. <coughs> and as they argued, I prepared such tea and tincture that would help the ills he bore. Here, take this, kind sir. And gentle he took, sending me a frisky look. I feel your power slip within me, and in my guts it works its might. Hello? Are you hearing? Are you staring? Are you the one who feels alright? Oh yes, you should start to feel less queasy, and this should make your ills more easy. I know not what I feel right now, <coughs> and er, uh, gentle you do touch me now. Oh, yes. Do your shoulders need attention? But, ahem, <clears throat> I must prepare. Then hurry, witch. Speed your actions. Give us all we need from here. I'll gather what you need quite promptly. Give me instruction. I will take these. And return him here in three days hence. I should not have to ask or please. We cannot risk to come again. Are your talents oh so shallow that you cannot give us all we need? You know nothing of this illness or my skills. You don't take heed. You risk yourself the coughing to catch. I would wager half the city his symptoms do match. Well, that is true. It is none of your business. You know nothing of the city, none of its aims. We cannot come again to this place of the past, and I care very little for your medical claims. Then I will come visit to check on his progress. The herbs, though they're powerful, they simply won't last. You cannot come out to William's place. Such a notion is insane as is much I have seen. I am feeling better. 
And she is right, my dear Clarence. And I must see her again and again. Your fever has taken away your good senses. She cannot come down to your place in the city. So which of the woods? Give me the things that we need and we'll leave you alone to your life full of pity. Sir, I shall not, for as you sought help, then I will determine what help is to come. I must insist that I come tend to his brow and sit close beside him three days from now. A ridiculous notion! Just give me the potion! No, I will not give you the things that you need. Now look here, you weird woman! Clarence, stand down. No force must we use. I trust her completely. So bend to her rules. Very well. We will do it the way of the crone. But if you come, you must come alone. And so they left, and my sister came in, and her face held a frown instead of a grin. I cannot agree with the folly you choose. To go into town, you have so much to lose. To help a foul man whose eyes make you giddy, and lose all good sense while your heart pitter-patters. I know not what you speak of, dear sister. He coughs and he splutters. His throat, it has blisters. Oh, please, do you shut it. Your cheeks have turned red, like an orchard of cherries. Have you not heard a word I've said? No good will develop from such a decision. These worlds will not prosper from such a collision. And my sister rode off, her warning faded in the sound of the hooves. For three days I did think on Fair William's progress and was apt to admit to myself all alone that the look in his eye had made me quite giddy and a fondness for him I had grown. But with much trepidation I stepped through the city, the streets full of dirt and the air foul and gritty. The instinct to flee caught a hold of my senses, the memories of exile played all too clear, and when I heard someone calling through broken down fences, the voice of my dear sister dear. I hoped that you'd not return to the city, that you'd leave well alone the affairs of young Will. I have seen you sent away once before. Do you not remember that still? I do, sister dear, and it pains me to feel it, the way I was treated with hate and with scorn. And though you believe that my motives are carnal, I can't leave this man if he is sick and forlorn. I cannot see clear as to how this will happen. I live in this place and know of its danger, the powers that be, the laws and the customs. And I am more than a wayward stranger. I was invited. They came out to seek me. Surely I'll find someone kind here to meet me. Just William and Clarence know of your coming, though the ladies of leisure have gossip a humming. And while he is sick and they fear for his life... How will you not be seen by his wife? His wife? I knew not. I tell you, get out. Get out while you can, and cease this reckless and imbecile plan. But can you not help me? I can be no part of this act I call folly. But surely you see if I heal him. By golly, I will be accepted to live here again, and to be part of the town with these women and men. For you I will do what I can, but remember, what happened before can happen again. Life in this city moves only forward. The ways of the past may bring you much pain. So it was agreed that when evening fell, Emma would take me where William did dwell. When she knew he'd be waiting, left all alone, except for fool Clarence, who greeted me. Crone, we have been waiting. You're late, don't you know it? Will, how have you been? My face, does it show it? My body is stronger, my skin has more color, but I am in need of more care from your parlor. 
He did look less paler, maybe a little, but he seemed not to care or to notice his state. Without my attention, his condition could worsen. My actions and learning could alter his fate. Here, let me make you more tonics and potion. I need some equipment. Get this brewing in motion. Oh, no, 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 no. This is no time or the place. The doctors and surgeons we have are superior, but I admit that your strange ways are making him better. You tend to him now and then show us how. This is no easy knowledge to pass to a dunce. But you must teach me. Teach me at once. He will recover with my full attention, so I will return. Oh, did I not mention you cannot return? You're not welcome here. Clarence, do not be so laden with fear. Go fetch what she needs, and she can teach what she's doing with these leaves and twigs and the thing she is brewing. And he left with much huffing and puffing of protest, and with sweet William, I was alone. Dear Grace, I am in your humblest debt. My vigor returns, there is strength in my bones. For that I am glad. This, this art is my calling, and I can't refuse to give help where I can. And as I leaned over to tend to his forehead, he looked deep within, my heart leapt like a doe. I know not the powers or knowledge you carry, but I wish you could teach us all that you know. My methods and measures would take years to master. That's why I will come to your side when in need. <coughs> you do not understand. It isn't that easy. William! Uh, for here comes my wife, and she's angry indeed. There, William! hide in the chamber, behind the gray door, Keep quiet and hope she leaves William! quickly once more. As I went to protest, he pushed me, quite kindly, and I watched a tall woman enter the room. She had a stern face and clearly meant business. What's this? What's this? She started to fume. I swear I hear voices. Someone else here. But that clown of a Clarence is not by your side. It was my excitement of hearing you coming and seeing your face, my wonderful bride. What's this? She did say as she spied my materials splayed on the floor next to his bed. Uh, these are the things that they are using to heal me. The herbs and the ointments, they are easing my head. But there's been no doctor to tend to your ailments. No apothecary here sells wares such as these. And then she turned around to where I was hiding, but William, he noticed and started to wheeze. Then to my relief and surprise at the rescue, Clarence did come to our aid at the door. Dear Mrs. Franklin, you must not disturb your husband's recovery by making this noise. And your noise is better than the one I am making? What do you know of these plants and these oils? A doctor has helped us from far out of town and left preparations for William's disease. Then where is this doctor? I've seen no one enter. And with that, she walked toward me once again. Dear Maud, please come here and feel of my fever. Can you not tell that it's leaving my head? Maud, she did halt, but into the room came a man with a voice that filled me with fear. I'd heard it before, full of hate, fear, and loathing on the day I was banished. The voice of the mayor. Hey ho, hey ho, what's all a-happening? This room is quite crowded for one who is sick. Something's not right here. Something smells funny. Why, that will be Clarence. Hey! I smell it too. 
these herbs that I spy are not from this town. They do seem unusual, but how are you feeling? Are you ready to rise? Are you feeling less down? <clears throat> I am on the mend, dear father of mine. My limbs ache less badly. I can now feel my spine. But, Mare, look at this. And I heard voices, these herbs, and this nonsense. Who makes these choices? Maud, please shut thy cake hole and listen to me. My son's feeling better. The Lord shines upon him. Right now I care not what the path he is on, for I have my troubles and need a strong offspring to keep my position as head of the town. I hear you, my father. I'll be soon beside you to show solidarity when the challengers come. Good, good, dear William. I'm sure all will prosper. Now let's give him some peace for to rest for a while. The party they left, my hands still were shaking, but Maud, she looked back and I waited some more. Once they had gone, William arose. He locked up the door and walked on tippy toes. Come, come now, come finish your nursing. There's room for one more in this place that you hide. And as the door shut in his small and cramped chamber, I blushed as I tended to William inside. And the very next day, I met with my sister in secret and out on the outskirts of town. So, how are things going, dear sister of mine? Have you got all you came for? Is your patient now fine? It goes very well. Young William is better but it will take some time till he's finally healed. You do not know of this fool's situation you've gotten yourself into, nor how to get out. If you keep coming back, you will be discovered. You should not continue this amorous route. But Emma, the reason is not what you're thinking. I'm serious, William is still very sick. And yes, he is handsome and strong and quite lovely, but there's more to my motives than his fine manly. Did you not hear anything I've been saying? I care not for William, I care about you. Yes, he is fair. I admit I am smitten. Though believe me, my sister, I know what to do. I am the one that can help him recover, for my true desire is to heal above all. Now I'm off to collect all that I need for his treatment and return three days hence. Then I shall not stall. I will help if you need me. But please, hear me clearly. This will not end good. Her words filled my thoughts for the rest of the morning. But how could I take any heed of her warning? William was fighting an illness inside him. And without me to help, he just might not win. It was without thinking I gathered more herbs and all that I needed to assist in my task. And when three days passed, I set off once more, not dwelling to ponder all my sister would ask. I see you have listened, not to my words, she said as we met in the still of her home. I'll help you because of the love that I carry, but ask me no more if the need again comes. I can't risk my status or the life I have built here, so you can just follow your whims that are dumb. Please do not worry, I promise, dear Emma. Your allegiance to me I will not milk to death. Then promise me this, that if you're discovered, my name is not spoken, no word, not a breath. Of course, oh of course, all my actions I take I shall claim of my own and your name I will hide. Very well. Let's not tarry, for Maud is out lunching, and your time is a waning for turning the tide. 
As I went hither to see my patient, Clarence did greet me without any smile. My master is better one day, but the next he goes back to his coughing like a cat's furball hack. I have been a willing to abide by his wishes, but my patience is fading while his health steps aback. But you know he is getting his strength back inside him. His aches, they feel easier, I have to admit. But I am uneasy each time that you come here. If Maud were to find you, she'd have such a fit. I fear if you're found, that my part in this scheme will lose me my place and my standing in town. You are not alone in the views you do tell me. So let me get working, bring William down. All right, all right, but my mind is not happy. My thoughts fly like birds let out of their cage. They know not where to go and flutter in circles. Get on with your task so my head does not rage. And so I found William, half naked and coughing, cleaning a rifle and singing a song. Yankee Doodle came to town <coughs> looking for some brandy. Ah, fair woman of the woods. How unexpected to see you. Well, it has been three days. I'm not good at counting. Are you not cold? Not with you here to warm me. I see you feel better. Would you like to come nearer? And as he approached, his arms big and bulging, I had to decide what it was I should do. Please put on your pants and sit down beside me. Your fever is breaking and you know not what you say. I have herbs strong and plenty and time to prepare them. I shall show you my methods. Oh no, not today. I knew there was something amiss with this picture, so I watched and I waited for someone to come. It's not what you're thinking. I did not undress him. No, I did that myself. Oh, William, shut up! And as she marched over, I turned to run past her, but in strode the mayor with his pistol unlocked. Come, come, Maud, calm down. This isn't the first time that we've found Master William with his pants halfway down. I don't care about that. His affairs are expected. He does what he likes with the whores of this town. I care not if he is wanton, or if he's unfaithful. I expect a little more from his station in life. But if news of this woman with the potion should surface, how does that look for the mayor's future wife? Let us not be so hasty. He's looking less pasty, so this witch must be doing some good after all. He does seem less sickly, but this better pass quickly. We can't risk her speaking outside of these walls. They blocked me from leaving, and William did nothing. I sat on his bed while they talked what to do. What are you thinking, my father-in-law? That we don't cast her out? No, we must see it through, for she may be a loon and live like a peasant, but it cannot be doubted that her talents are many. We keep her inside until William's restored. Then she can go back to being ignored. And so they did leave me to tend to young William, as long as I kept within their four walls. And soon his disease had nearly all vanished, and on faces their thanks and amazement galore. So happy was I, I sneaked to my sister to tell her good news and the hope that I saw. My Emma, dear Emma, I think that they trust me for William to health is nearly restored. And I think that I may be welcome in the future and hopefully be part of the town and adored. You may feel of worth, and there is no denying, your talents and care are a boon to the sick. 
But don't count your chickens, your geese, or your turkeys. I know these people. They don't miss a trick. It makes little sense that they won't now accept me, and I have seen something that you cannot see. The fruits of my efforts are all that I live for, and to end people's suffering fills me with glee. You are such a dreamer. You don't have my insight. Don't call again, sister. I don't think you're quite right. I did then return to look upon William. I knew that an end to his illness was near. A week or two more was just what was needed, and then my ability would all become clear. Oh, come, Grace, beside me. I have so much to thank thee. Here, do come closer and sit by my knee. I'm strong as a horse and fit as a fiddle. I'm ready if you are to lay down and play me. And although I knew of his wife's lack of interest, I felt that I wanted no more of his thrills. And just as I went to make up more potion to cure up the last of his ailments and ills, in walked his foul father with Maud and with Clarence. And the look on their faces, it gave me the chills. Oh, witchy-like woman, you have done such a marvel, and I do truly thank that my son you have healed. But we have some visitors to stay who are important. We cannot be seen to cavort with your sort. What are you saying? That you must be leaving. Though you have been helpful, that will be all. We don't want it known that you have been near us. But I don't understand. Oh, stop with your gall. For now, William's mended. Your service is ended. And anyway, William was strong as an ox. How do we know that without your attention. His natural resilience wouldn't fight off this pox. Don't send her away. <coughs> you hear that? I'm sickly. Stop faking, dear husband. And with some commotion, they dragged me away. They took me on horseback away from the city, through field and through forest to the edge of my glade. This is your place, and here you must stay now. No one will listen if you seek to return. Here is some gold for your talents aplenty, but of your help for our William, no one must learn. A fury built in me I could not ignore. How dare they mistreat me and cast me aside? And what of poor William, so close to recovery, I couldn't abandon a patient of mine? When one day had passed, my anger still burning, I decided to go back to the city of Grey and triumphantly conquer all disbelievers and bring to the new town the old-fashioned way. Before dawn had woken, I walked through the town, surprised at the bustle already in motion. But soon they would see, soon they would hear the power of health from the girl with the potion. But I had no sister to greet me today, for I'd promised dear Emma I'd keep far away. So I waited and waited for many an hour till fortune displayed its magnificent flower. Oh, hear ye, oh, hear ye, all through the town. Young William's recovered, his sickness is gone. For his manly figure and his firm manly stance has fought all disease, it did not stand a chance. William paraded around on his horse with his father, his wife, and Clarence, of course. To show their esteem and their power to rule, they played to the crowd whom they worked like a tool. 
Look at how William now stands here before you, a testament to all our expert physicians. Why, to see how they've cured him with all modern methods, you'd think they were nothing but wondrous magicians. But William was coughing, and so to disguise it, Clarence did speak. Your support, we do prize it. So make Mayor Franklin your leader again, and the city will prosper under his reign. Then William did see me, and smiled open wide. I took it to mean that I should go to his side. But as I marched forward, his eyes looked behind me, and there was another fair maiden who stood, smiling and waving right back at William, while I was alone away from the crowd. Dear lady, please leave us. This is a procession, and you have no place here. Get out without question. Despite his derision, he did not dissuade me, and I leapt from the ground onto William's horse. Dear people, people listen, for I have an announcement. William is well, and I am the cause. I bring you glad tidings that I am a healer, one who works within natural laws. But I have the knowledge and the talents to help you, as William can tell you. But at this, he did pause. Uh, who are you now? I don't remember your name, though I think I remember you joining my game. As I looked in his eye, he stared back right at me and shrugged by way of apology. I tried to implore him to speak up and praise me, but I also saw sickness still breeding away. Guards, take down this wench and take her far from us. We'll have no commotion on such a fine but day. But this is not fair. You know what I've done. We've not seen you before, you ulcerous scum. Calm down, everybody. Calm down, one and all. There's nothing to see here, nothing at all. You liars! You scoundrels! I started to shout. You bastards! You assholes! Oh, I let it all out. And as I implored to the crowd for assistance, a familiar face appeared in the distance. Emma, dear Emma, my sister appeared, and she looked at the scene that had come as she feared. Take her away quickly, quickly, my men. And then we'll decide what to do with this witch. But now we probably should get back to parading before this large crowd starts to grumble and twitch. I was led on a rope to a place in the cellar and left in the dark and in silence to fester. And just when I thought that they just might forget me, I heard a sweet voice that twas nervous to greet me. Hello, dear Grace. I'm sorry about that, but you know, I'm the son and I must do what is needed. They told me to shun you, ignore, and dismiss you. And I do what I'm told. Their words, they were heeded. But can't you release me, give me my freedom? Surely you know what I've done for your health. Without you beside me, I'd be six foot under. But I'm well now, and I must look out for myself. But I had not finished. You need of more potion. But they will not let you maintain your devotion. Then take these and boil them. Add rue, sage, and thyme. Make sure you- Shush now. I'm sure I'll be fine. You are such a marvel, and your hands are divine. And I'll never forget you. But it's now dinner time. And so he forsook me and left me to sighing, and in came the others who had clearly been spying. Your business with William is now at an end. And now we have got to decide how to mend this strange situation which you are part. 
Oh, do me a favor. Your words are but fart. You've done what you wanted. It's time to release me. It isn't as simple as that. No, believe me. Although we can't hang you or burn you or fry you. We can rustle a court to specifically try you. Uh, could you not just let me go back to the woods? Oh, no, 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 no. That would be no good. You see, you may blabber and tell all who listen of what you've achieved in healing my son. And some will believe you and wish to come find you in want of this witchery that you have done. And we have physicians right here in this town, a town of progress, modern and fast. And we do not need rumors to those with investment that this is a town that is trapped in the past. With witches, with potions and crones here among us? That is no look for industrial might. We must send you away where no one can find you, far from the city and way out of sight. Though they must see you leaving, or they'll think that we've killed you. Well, I can't think of anything here on the spot, but Maud is correct. The public must see you. Though I'd leave you here so your body could rot. Fear not, Mayor Franklin. I may have a solution. One that would save all our faces at once. And with that, they all left me to perform my ablutions, my future in the hands of an odorous dunce. And so I am stood, tied to the mast, while there on the shore, my sister at last. I hoped you would listen. I dreamed that you would. I told you that doing this would bring you no good. But, oh, my dear sister, I know what I'm doing. Now look at the trouble all the while you were brewing. You were right, Emma dear, I cannot deny it, but I'd do it again in the blink of an eye. For William is breathing because of my actions. I did what I needed so a man may not die. <sighs> well, if that's what you wanted, I guess it's all good. No one knows you're my sister, that's not understood. Though I'm sorry you're leaving, and your future looks dim. If things get too desperate, at least you can swim. And off they did send me out into the lake. They watched in cold silence a strange living wake. The mayor and dull Clarence did stare without feeling, and I thought of my destiny, which was unappealing. I saw William waving till Maud slapped his cheek, and I smiled as I thought of his manly physique. Upon this boat I sit and watch, while on the shore they walk away. And how I came to be upon a craft was the subject of this play. There is no moral to my tale, but healing William made me happy. That no one knows or cares at all is rather very crappy. You have been listening to Emily Coggle as Grace, Rachel Kearney as Emma, Alex Stoenoff as Clarence, Nathan Hamblin as William, Aralee Williams as Maud, and Paul Miller as Mayor Franklin. Witch in the Woods was written, produced, directed, and edited by Daniel Williams. The show was recorded at Parallel Studios and is an Albion Media production for Huron City Radio.
Well, that was interesting. Someone else on a little boat, miles from anywhere. Uh, sorry about the uh, technical difficulties, listeners. Hopefully everything is back to normal now. And I don't seem to have quite found out where that noise was coming from or if there really was any noise. But well, anyway, right now it's time to let you know about the wonderful events coming to Huron City and the Greywater area. To start with, this Saturday night, the Huron City Swingers Society will be hosting a unique trunk or treat event held in the parking lot of the Leprechaun Pub. One partner will throw their car keys into a bucket and pick out another set at random with the surprise spouse tied up shibari style and secured in the trunk of the car. All genders, persuasions, and ages welcome. Must have a side waiver. Halloween costumes, optional. And news that the local Haunted House Collective are... What? What's happened to my music? Brenda? Ah, she's not again. Uh, Brenda, are, are you there? Damn it. Hello? Is anyone there? Of course there isn't anybody there. Just those stupid stories playing tricks on me. Oh, I'm feeling a little dizzy, but then I have been eating a lot of candy. Yeah, that must be it. Huge sugar rush making me hear things. And now, time to find out what's going on at the bottom of the lake with our underwater weather girl, Wendy Avalone. Wendy? Hello? Hello? Tom? Tom? It's... It's pretty dark down here tonight. Uh... Tom? Tom? Can you hear me? Yes, I, I can hear you, Wendy. Can you hear me? Tom? Oh, I don't like it! Oh no! What's that? Tom? Tom? Tom, can you hear me? Can you heal me? Wendy? 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 Hello? Wendy? Brenda, oh, what a night of shite. Where is everyone? <laughs> What's that smell? Is it cinnamon and lavender? No, it was just that idiot Mikey's stupid fishing story. The, it's just the power of suggestion. <laughs> Now that, that's definitely lavender. Hello? Who's? Oh, of course there's no one here. I'm in, I'm in the middle of the lake on a little gray ship. Oh, sweet baby boo, what the hell was that? Hello? Hello, you, you stay away, I'm armed. I have, I have a not a flamethrower somewhere. Shit, not the lights. Oh, I can't see anything. Ah, my shin. Oh, my toe. Oh, my face. What is that? Dear Lord, oh, what now? Where's my phone? My phone has a light. Poop logs. Where is it? Where is it? What, what is that? Oh, here's my phone. And it's, 
it's tiny light. Let's see out on deck. Oh, Mother Murphy! It didn't have legs! It was slithering across the deck! Oh, come on, chair. Stick under the handle. Oh, it can't be. Can't be. It looked... It looked like Lily's mermaid monstrosity. Oh, God, this is nonsense. Go away! Please! Could you just get the fuck away from me? Look, you can't come in here. You can't ruin my show. No, what? what come on, you little shitball. Geez, what was that? There's, there's nothing there. I, huh, I just had a fight with myself. Well, that was a lot of candy I ate. Because there's nothing there. I must have imagined it. But no, I, I saw it. No, it was it was that tail, the, the sugar. It's, it's dark. Well, so dark, as black as pitch. I can't even see my own, my own shadow. Christ! What was that? Just a shadow. No, Just not you. A shadow. Not Macmillan. Go away, you mother, mother. Just a shadow. Just a shadow. Just a shadow. Stay away. Just a shadow. Please don't hurt me. Just I'm young. A shadow. I don't want to be a shadow. a shadow. I don't want to be a shadow. Just a shadow. Please leave me alone! <laughs> it isn't my little gray ship! Just a shadow! Ah! No! Get away! Get away! Oh, get off me! Listening to the Midnight Hour with me, Tom Babajowski. I'd like to thank. Uh, what do I need to do to thank? Oh, that's right. Uh, the, the people who called in uh, with the kids and the costumes. Uh, we would be sending candy to you, but I, I appear to have eaten all the candy, so sorry about that. Yes, that's right. Just too much candy, that's all. Some of it was very cheap quality, too. And of course, thank you to O'Donnell's for sponsoring the show, though I, I don't feel very hungry now. I can't face the potato chip cookies they sent. Thanks to the Bram Strokers for, well, for, for trying. The only silver lining to tonight's technical difficulties was we, we didn't have to listen to another song of theirs. But of course, thanks as usual to Wendy. Oh, oh dear God, poor Wendy. Brenda? Brenda, are you there? 
Please, we, we have to see what happened to Wendy. Brenda? Who's that? Oh, oh, it's Peter now, is it? Fuck's sake. Anyway, Pete, uh, Wendy's, Wendy's okay, you say? You sure? Oh, so that's some good news. All shall be well. All shall be well, I guess. I wonder how your Halloween went, Eric? You have been listening to The Midnight Hour on Huron City Radio with Tom Babajowski. You've heard the voices of Tom Babajowski, Jake Buckley, Emily Coggle, Sarah Propotnik, Anson Pavlov, Eleanor Ferguson, and Aisha Kandisha. Tom's Top Tips jingle was sung by Giovanna Greco. Halloween Town was written by Jake Buckley and performed by our musical guests, the Bram Strokers, who are Jake Buckley, Stephen Coutts, Daniel Williams, and Emily Coggle, and was recorded and produced by Stephen Coutts at the Haberdasher Studios. This show was created by Daniel Williams and was written by Daniel Williams and Jake Buckley with additional material from Tom Babajowski and Jamie Leslie. Production and editing are by Daniel Williams. The Midnight Hour is recorded at Parallel Studios and is a Huron City radio show for Albion Media.